Congratulations! You found it! This is a book podcast featuring books you will want to read. Recommended by people who are passionate about books. Maybe a little too passionate. Starring the original book divas Martha Steele, Vonnie Golden, and Nicole Shaded. Also featuring book nerds Jessica Butcher and Josh Lupton. Together, searching for and finding book treasures every week. They are three book girls. Nicole, what is this I hear about the Lord of the Rings? What are they going to do? They're going to create a series? By they, if you mean Amazon, correct, who has created some amazing TV yes. shows lately. Yes, they have. I guess they're not TV shows, technically. Is it, Mariana, are you, you, are you a fan of the Lord of the Rings? I have to say, I've never been a real huge Tolkien fan. So I read the I read the Hobbit and then never went any further. Okay, he's wordy. He's, he's to... wordy. Yeah, and then it's just some, something about the quest structure has never been hmm. my favorite. Okay, well I'm just really worried, being a huge fan myself, right. and I respect. Yes, those I'm who very are worried, fans. and just as I was very worried when they took the movie on, mm-hmm. I was so afraid they were going to ruin it. And then I was, when it did come out, I was kind of a little bit miffed that they put in female characters where there weren't any which i understood why why they did it because <laughs> mm-hmm. there weren't any there weren't any so it's i was like, kind of like okay i need to be a little more open-minded about the that Bechdel even though in middle earth what's up middle earth needed to pass the Bechdel test maybe but i don't think it did no did they talk <laughs> to each other mm, not really no no mm-hmm. no they were just there for eye candy but pretty much there. And, yeah. and love interests <laughs> but okay, I have some more news on this. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay, so it actually says that it's going to take place before the 2001 feature film, The Fellowship of the Ring. Um, it says it. The deal also includes potential for spinoff series as well. So that what? means, like, if uh, you know how in the movie they go off on separate journeys, so uh. they could make a s- spinoff series for a separate journey. So like I'm so confused. How could they be a Middle Earth channel? Uh, well, how Middle could they Earth do that? Broadcasting. System. If there's only just the one book, the one I mean, the one series. I mean, the guy's it. dead. He's dead. You can't. He can't make up more stories. I will. Yeah, feel but they can. Spi- so... But if just because they're going to start before the Fellowship of the Ring does not mean they're not going to include that. So if you do, oh, I see they're probably going to do the Cimmerillion. Is that how you say that, Cimmerillion? I, I don't know. So. That's how it's spelled. But um, even so, even if know, they don't, I, they could do Bilbo. They could do Gandalf as their own separate series, oh, and have but their stories. Still have to make that up, and that's yeah, really could, not fair. Not necessarily. No, they no, don't have to not. make that up necessarily, because it's already written into. Uh, well, they all can't the, make up Gandalf as a young man. Yeah, no, what there. I'm saying is, it doesn't have to. I'm saying if they start start in what's the not the one you're talking about. What's the book after it? The Hobbit? The, the no, Hobbit? the one I mentioned a second ago that the I just forgot. Fellowship of the Ring? No. The Hobbit? Okay, maybe, yeah, The Hobbit. So if you take <laughs> The Hobbit and you do a separate series for each of the main characters. But you, still you, use all you, the scenes from the book? Yeah. You'd have to fill but in you're a bunch following, because in the book you're following separate characters. That's what I'm trying to say. There is, you can do it if they do it correctly. You're following different characters, even though their stories collide. 
they, like they go off onto their own paths, but then they eventually collide. It, they do it all I the wish, time. I wish, I wish that the um, recording could get me scratching my head. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they're going to give it the This Is Us treatment. So first you have stuff hmm. going on in The Hobbit. And then you go back. I and wish they'd give it. The, ha, uh, Bilbo is a little boy. Okay, and you jump forward. I wish they'd just give it that. This is the book treatment in the movie. Yeah. You know how Gandalf disappears. <laughs> yeah. So that would be a separate series. Where's Gandalf while he's disappearing? But that's only just a little tiny piece of the book. Well, that's what I'm saying. Is they can take all of his disappearing acts where you're not, you don't know what's going on, and they can make their own stories from it. Hmm. That's what I'm trying to say. But if you have to make up your own stories. How do you feel about that, Nicole? I'm excited about it because just because I'm not too concerned about whether or not we have our movies that are amazing. Agreed. Uh, I don't care if like we already have that. I'm not concerned about it being like if they spin off and make their own storyline. I'm okay Hmm. with it. I think if he was alive, I'd be okay with it. Kind of we were like having a, a conversation before we started before we started uh, the recording. Oh, by the way, we have Marianne Evans. Hello, good to Hello. be here. <laughs> Returning to the podcast for her second appearance. Um, before we started the recording, we were talking about some controversy surrounding J.K. Rowling mm-hmm. because the second <laughs> of the fantastical beasts and where to find them is coming out in movie movie form in is mm-hmm. it december when is it coming out very soon, soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and there there was a a lot of controversy something in the news coming out about johnny depp being the the lead because they don't like him a because he's johnny depp and he doesn't fit as a yeah in in the opinion of um, some of the who's playing? he's very talented yeah they, and then some people don't like him because he's not English and then Gandalf there's also a lot of controversy because Gandalf they are going to show him being gay not in Gandalf, the movie Dumbledore. Not, Dumbledore. Dumbledore sorry <laughs> well we were just talking about Lord of the Rings I'm sorry <laughs> and they pretty much look <laughs> exactly the same in their movie long white beard yeah, but same, they do. same man they do. Yeah. Uh, anyways they're going to show him being gay in the movie. Well, and, which he's gay, and Mariana according to J.K. Rowling. Repeat that again, if you would, if you can try to. Okay, repeat well, what I have a, a friend who's a professor who studies the psychology of fiction, okay. and she studies the world of fandoms and how possessive people feel about their stories and the characters. And at some point, the these characters and stories become real and separate from the author. And so there's a group of people who've been very upset about J.K. Rowling's giving us revelations after the books, one of which was that Dumbledore was gay, but there have been quite a number of others. Um, But anyway, at some point, Twitter erupted over one of these revelations, and somebody said, now she's just making things up. Like she made up the entire (laughs) fictional world. (laughs) That's the point. (laughs) It's her yeah. job. <laughs> yeah, I read an article about it that were like 16 things that she revealed after the books. Mm-hmm. Like for one, Luna and Neville don't end up together. They don't. Like Luna ends up marrying Newt Scamander's great-grandson or something like that. Mm-hmm. And yeah. like people blew up over that because people were really like ship Neville and Luna. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was really funny. Yeah read this article because I actually have on Ravenclaw socks. So. And, a hat. and a hat. And a hat. And a hat. hat. Always on it with the little Harry Potter symbol. So we got all kinds of fandom oh, yeah. But the news is this time of year it does tend to come out really rich 
fandoms in the air everywhere because yes. of the holidays. Yes, yep. all the good movies come out. Yes, yep. like Star Wars, and it's just soon. it's swirling around in clouds. You got the Star Wars people over here. You got the Marvel people over there. You got the Lord of the Rings people over here, and the Potterheads, <laughs> and, and two or three DC people in the middle. Oh yeah, well, I don't, what are we? All Everything, <laughs> queen of the fandoms. <laughs> We're we can't even say we're book people because we don't follow new releases. Well, well sort, sort of. people, yeah. yeah. I- I'm following Mariana's new release, <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> which is coming out. When is it coming out? It is coming out in early April of, oh, of, of 18. See? See? Mm-hmm. That's yes. a new... And I have some new release. I just read a new release. I'm not going to talk about it tonight. Well, for one thing, I didn't know if I was going to finish it. I just finished it before I got here. I'm working on one now. Yeah. It's new. Yeah. So we don't always read new releases, but sometimes we do. So, yeah, we're book people. I, I think we could consider ourselves that, wouldn't you say? I like being a book person. But as for our fandom, I don't know if we have a specific one. I think we just have too many to count. Yeah, we're like a like a, a board of fandom people. <laughs> sort of like tick the boxes. Mm-hmm. I'm this fandom and this fandom and this one and this one and this one and this one and this one. Because right. all of mine are books, and that's where the book people gets murky. But it does get but murky. Harry Potter's it? books. It gets murky because once you you always stand up and go, "Well, the book was better." Mm-hmm. And people look at you like you have three heads because you read. <laughs> And then Star Trek and Star Wars became books after all the books. Are you sure that... Well, yeah. Okay, you're right. Because... Mm -hmm. They were novelizations first. Yep, because that's when uh, all of the good science fiction writers started jumping on board. Mm -hmm. Like... um, Oh, shoot. What's that? Just trying to think of... I read a really good one long time ago. Splinter of the Mind's Eye. It was oh. called. Um, What's his name? Who you're talking about? Yes, that um, guy. That guy. I may have owned it at one time, but it's not. Uh, I, I want to say Orson Scott Card because that that's not it. That's um, Alan, Dean, Alan Dean Foster. Alan Dean Foster. Yes, I knew yes. it was three names. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Um, and then the original Star Trek, they recruited science fiction writers to write for the show. Right. So Harlan was, Ellison wrote for the original Star Trek. Smart. Robert Block, uh, Matheson, I think. All the good ones. Mm-hmm. That's pretty awesome. So we're going to kick off. We're going to kick off. Who wants to be first? Okay. <laughs> I'll go first. Jessica. I read um, Optimists Die First by Susan Nielsen. <laughs> See, that's a perfect thing to start with. <laughs> Don't you think that's a great title to start with? I know, I picked it out. I'm not really out. sure about that, actually. I picked <laughs> like, it out because I was like, Martha's going to get a kick out of this, and I don't even care if this book sucks because the title is Optimus too good. Die First. <laughs> it's like a really messed up version of The Breakfast Club. Like, <laughs> Who's the author? Uh, Susan Nielsen. Hmm. And, yeah, I think it's... A little, it's a little bit young because they're like high school kids, and it's definitely written from their perspective. But it's really, really, I actually really enjoyed it. Basically, your main character her name is P- Petula, and she 
has is part of this YART, which is Youth Art Therapy, and it's a group of yeah YART. <laughs> is that anything like living in a yurt? Yeah. Well, her little sister uh, died. Like she was, she's ten. Her sister was like three, and she was watching her little sister, and she had made because her sister loved where the wild things are, so she made her a little like wild things costume. Then had a little button on it, and the sister choked on the button. Depressing. And so, she, yeah, super depressing. This mm. book is very depressing. Just gonna throw oh, it out there. Oh, great! About but it's also and depressing. Okay. But it's also really really funny, like with because the characters are hilarious. Like their backstories are traumatizing, but their like humor and how they deal with things is really funny. So she's in this youth art therapy group with all these other like messed up kids. One of them's like. 15 and an alcoholic <laughs> and like Whoa. and Harsh. one of them like came out to his parents and got kicked out of the house and it's like all these kids with really big problems and they don't get along at first and um i her... see where the breakfast club is coming in now yeah okay so her thing is like ever since her sister died she thinks about all the bad things that can happen like she won't walk past construction sites because you know like one and every 300 people who walks past a construction site gets hit by like falling debris or something like that she just looks up all these facts she doesn't touch people's hands because of germs like ever since her sister passed she's like um she calls herself a realist but she's more like a pessimist and then this guy comes to their school and joins their group and because he has a bionic arm and he tells them that he got hit by a drunk driver and, like, there's, like, this big mystery about him. But he kind of, like, brings the group together. And he helps them, like, make movies to deal with their, like, troubles and things like that. And then, I don't know. It's really good. But it's very, like, boy meets girl. Girl likes boy. Boy fixes girl <laughs> kind of thing. But And it wasn't written by a man? No. Written by women. But it was also really, like, I enjoyed it. It was the nice, like refresher but it and it was different in that it wasn't like this sappy romance it was like funny and like the whole time they're like are just like messed up in the head all of them are <laughs> so like you get that oh, like real people like real life issues but it was really good i liked it awesome it was worth the read <laughs> for, a little, for a little light reading what would you rate it Probably like a three or four. Not my favorite, but it was pretty good. I liked it. Like in the middle. Three out of three out of four out of how many? Five. Oh, okay. Because when at a ten, that's kind of weak. <laughs> yeah, no. We usually go on the five scale just because scale. going for ten is just too complicated. <laughs> yep. There's too many numbers. Yeah. Too many shades of gray. I have to mm-hmm. go for a five. Okay, so title and artist again. Uh, Optimists Die First by Susan Nielsen. Okay. All right, you ready? I'm ready. Okay, so this book I was completely enthralled with. Um, It's called Abandoned by Blake Crouch. Blake Crouch, he wrote... He wrote... Hold on, I forgot the name of the the other book. The one that I read, read the black hole one. Did he? Or the black... Dark Matter? Dark Matter. Okay, oh. I haven't read that yet, but it's on my list. But he also wrote Wayward Pines, which is a TV series yes. right now. Yes, 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 yes. Um, and so he's very popular. But I didn't realize he wrote a bunch, like he's written a million books. 
by the way. Anyways. And you love him because you've read a bunch of books by him. Well, I've read The Wayward Pines. I've read two of the three out of the trilogy. And they're pretty good. The first one I really liked. The second one was okay. Oh, okay. Um, But this one I was completely enthralled with again. Um, And essentially it is, there's a two-part story and it collides. So the first part of it is there um, is a group of people who are going to go explore this town. And it's comprised of a lot of characters. So there's a couple guides. Um, The town is up in a mountain, so you have to hike up to it. You've got to have like a lot of like... Hiking knowledge be very manly. <laughs> Anyways, so she's got her hands going. But your hiking hands. <laughs> your main character is actually this girl, and this is the first time she has seen her father, who invited her on this trip, and since she was like three years old or whatever. Like he left the family. So there's you've got this family component. Like he left them, and he invited her on this trip because she's a journalist and he wants her to report on what they find. So then you've got not only so you've got the father, the daughter's the main character in this part of the story. Okay. And then you've got the guides, and then you've got a um, two like spiritual people who who take pictures of like they turn out all the lights and all this stuff and okay, take so pictures. You get an expectation. You have an expectation of ghosts in the beginning. Yeah. Uh, so you kind something of really funky gonna happen about this town okay, and they tell right. you. So okay. then they start telling you in the first part of the story about this town who in okay it says on Christmas Day in 1893 every person in this town suddenly disappeared. Every single person and they don't know why. So first when you're reading this you're wondering if it's gonna turn into some story about aliens. Which I'm not into that thing, really. Like yeah, I mean, re- I'd still read it. We remember that. We remember that about you, Nicole. You you didn't want to do an alien book when we suggested that. So yes, we know. But I kept reading, even though I was like, "Damn, there's going to be like UFOs in like 1893, kidnapping 120 people out of this mining town." Anyways, so you learn more about this town slowly, and actually it kind of switches back, and you start learning about characters of this town in 1893. So you've got um, a whorehouse, because it's a mining town. Always got to have one of those. And you, the red door. You learn about some of the, the women inside of that. Door? Yeah, Sorry. and then there's a mysterious woman in a hotel who never leaves her room, um, and she lives on the top, and, you, and anybody who walks through the town... They can see her through the window, so you learn about her a little bit. And then you learn about some sketchy people. And then you learn about this woman who's um, actually under arrest, but she's the bartender at a bar. So a deputy actually sits next to her the entire time she's working until <laughs> the spring when there's... Um, and like the snow melts so they can actually transport her to jail she's under arrest but they make her 10 bar in the yes. because why would they want to feed her for free she's gonna earn her keep to make you understand this like town a little bit more it is so far up in the mountains that once it starts snowing it's massively dangerous to uh, travel through it. Yeah, I live um, someplace like that. I get it. I yeah. know. And so, yeah. especially in 1893, before there's cars or roads mm-hmm. or anything, they usually, they have horse and buggy. Like So, um, you're kind of learning slowly about both of these things. And so, like, you've got the group that starts exploring it, and then they, like, you learn, like, how difficult it was. It takes uh, two days to actually travel from, like, a different town up to this town. And the other town is still tiny. Um, and you get to this town, and, like, 
obviously you can't take a car or anything, so you literally have to hike up there. Um, and you have to be. Because there's no road? There's not really a road. Plus, this town has been abandoned since 1893. There's nothing really left. And so they go up there to explore and they bring these like spiritual people and they take pictures in the dark to see if any ghosts show up on the film and stuff like that. So you kind of, then you start getting this feeling that there's going to be ghosts, which is also not my favorite thing in the entire world. <laughs> but I'm still like completely <laughs> into this still book. Like, okay. All right. I'm like I'll abandoned town is my deal. I'm going to keep reading it. <laughs> And it's neither of those things. And I can't obviously tell you the end, but you get, like, I don't know how to explain how into this book I was. I read it in, like, two days. (laughs) Well, I'm impressed. It must be something pretty impressive if you kept reading. That reminds me a little bit of Hex, like how they're haunted. Hex was, did you you read Hex? Yeah, I have it. Ah, okay. I have Hex. Hex was strange. Yeah. It is weird. It's very culty, but yes, it yeah. And I can tell you a little bit more, which is once they get to the town, you find find out that the dad is actually searching for gold. There's missing gold. I'm starting to feel a Scooby Doo vibe going on here. <laughs> it's nowhere near Scooby Doo. We talked kids. about the meddling kids last week on yeah, the podcast. I wasn't here for that, but nowhere near Scooby Doo. Missing gold from 1893 because it was a mining town. <sighs> And then you're getting this story of, like, the town. And the, the, the other story leads all the way up to when they disappear. So well, you find I'm out how intrigued. they disappear. I am super intrigued. It is really freaking good. Like, it only has 3.74 rating on uh, Goodreads, but I would give it a why, five. Huh? Wow. Like, I think it was really freaking good. Wow. And I read this, like, three Nicole weeks ago. Nicole gave it a five. Okay, and she's yeah. a skeptical woman. I am. Mm-hmm. But this was, I did not expect... You kind of start to guess. Well, obviously, you know that it's nothing weird like ghosts or supernatural. Well, because you told but you don't us, understand you exactly. <laughs> no, no, no. Like even like when you're reading it, you figure it out. Yeah. yeah. But you don't expect that. Like what happens? Well, that's good. And there's even more. Like there's more to the story than just those two colliding things. There's a bigger climax on mm. top of the entire story. So there's like a lot of. A lot of stuff. A lot of stuff going on, and then it just... Is it long or short? I don't know. That might be a deciding factor for some folks. 406 pages. 406 isn't too bad. It was published in January of 2009. Okay. And give us the title and artist once again, please. It's called Abandoned by Blake Crouch. Abandoned. Mm, Spooky. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right. (laughs) We're going to move along to the main event, which is Ms. Mariana Evans. Ooh, main event. There's a lot of pressure there. All right. Now, we can do this. Do you want to do your review of the book you chose first, or do you want me to review your book that I read of yours first? Let me do my first, because maybe I'll be weeping when you get through with mine. Okay. <laughs> All right. You know, no, 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 no. <laughs> we only berate one author on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I know that when we were talking earlier on Facebook, or we, it came up on a Facebook post anyway, mm-hmm. that you were considering talking about the goldfinch. I was going to talk about the goldfinch, and then I saw that someone else had done it, and I said, that's cool. I've read, read more the than goldfinch. the one yeah. book. You know? we Everybody, that's like the it. number one book of all time, by the way. 
I really, really liked yeah. that yeah. book. You know, we, it's, it we was, dedicated an entire podcast to, to, the gold to it. Okay. We loved it that so much. Actually, we don't invite people on this podcast who have not read The Goldfinch. Just well, saying. We'll hear it. <laughs> we, we, we have asked her back twice and we didn't know that she loved yeah. it. But we we must have known deep down. Deep down. Was this the kind of person that liked Because we goldfinch. loved you so much when you came on the first time. We connected with you on a deeper level. Yeah. We must have known. There's the goldfinch test. Yeah, the yes. goldfinch test. Deeper than the it's like test. mean girls. Next time we have to girls. ask. We have to remember to ask that 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 crucial question of our guests. Or or if you really think you still want them to be a guest, you can hand the book and say, here it is, 800 pages. Come back and tell us what you think. That's what they did to me. <laughs> and then they get the glazed look in their eyes. And we're going, no, seriously, you want these 800 you want pages. This. Then, mm-hmm. that, that was one of those books that you're charging through the 800 pages, however many it was. It was a lot. It was a lot. And you're thinking, there's no way she can bring this book home in a way that is satisfying to the reader but makes sense with what went before. No way, no way, no way. Oh my God, she did it. Yes, she really exactly. did it. Yes, she, she really I loved did. It. That was the type of book that I would sit like extra in my car and like be like, I, I'm going to keep listening to this. I'm going to be 20 minutes late to work just so I'm sitting in my car out in the parking lot. Like, <laughs> You know they're making a movie. It took my breath yes. away. We it talked really about did. the movie thing. Mm-hmm. It is the like literally my number one book and it's 771 pages so you oh, were correct so pretty much. <laughs> close pretty close. close. Yeah. I just looked it up on uh, Goodreads, and it makes me so mad reading some of these comments. Well, d- don't. Well, these are people we would not invite to be on the yeah, podcast. They, right. Yeah, they can't sit if with they don't us. Get like, it. look at this. That's, no, it's like no. a don't, mortal don't crime. Don't read those. I'm not reading them. I'm just saying these people are... <laughs> One and two. Sucked up. (laughs) (laughs) Hey. Call said the F word. She's really cross. (laughs) That was the first F bomb this show. (laughs) Jeez, we almost made the G rating, Nicole. (laughs) And here there's a word in this book I wasn't sure if I was going to say out loud, but it's not the F bomb. Well, it's okay. You can say as many words as you like because this is a podcast and the FCC has no power here. (laughs) (laughs) You have no power here, FCC. Yeah. So, so I didn't ring the Goldfish to review because I figured y'all had already done it really good justice. But well, thank I you. do. Thank really you. Like yes, the book. we did. And um, but since you love it, we love you even more. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so I'm standing in my office looking at all the books, lots of books, all the books. Which one am I going to bring to talk about? And I thought it should be one that they would never ever have talked about. It's one that I cannot be duplicating what you've done before. So am I right? Has anybody read Stephen King's Dance Macabre? Nope. I have read it a long time ago, but I we haven't reviewed it. You haven't reviewed it. I thought so you that win. Was, I win. I win. But that's I win podcast. I can't believe it. That's one of the only Stephen King books we have never uttered on this podcast. Because it's so different. It you is know, really it's different. It's not fiction. You know, it's, I know. It's his isn't that his own no. He did another Nonfiction. He did on fiction later or on writing. writing. On writing, which I also own and really recommend to writers. This is not for writers, but I recommend it to writers because his. First of all, I should tell people what this is, but it it has been very helpful to me all these years as a writer. I first read it when it came out in paperback in the early 80s. I think it was published in hardcover in 78. Mm -hmm. And I don't even remember the circumstances of me picking up a mass market paperback of this weird nonfiction Stephen (laughs) King book when I should have been studying my thermodynamics or something. But I did. And so it's it is his nonfiction. It's like he was an English major. 
So mm-hmm. he he knows that what he does isn't always taken really seriously by the academic uh, world. And so, but he wanted to take the basically horror, but he expands it some into science fiction and fantasy also, uh, and treat it seriously. So mm-hmm. he he read and wrote about what he does as an English major, as a serious. Uh, student of literature mm-hmm. and um the the cover um blurb let's see where's the cover blurb uh the, the philadelphia Inquirer called it one of the best books on american popular culture which is a pretty high it's been a really thing. long time since i read it now you're making me want to go back and read it again it's really and I gotta look it, up it's, it's, it also is huge i'm really big on the big books tonight oh um, stephen king has so many big it's books. you know 600 pages but it also has an extensive index because it is quite it's quite scholarly in its way um but he takes he goes back to dracula and frankenstein and you know the early early books and the the, the gothics from the 1800s and talks about what they do to us at a psychological level so the the thing without a name he he, he names these archetypes that we keep coming back to there's the thing without a name there's the vampire which is just anything that wants to consume us there is the ghost there's the and my favorite and i've used it in my work many times in capital letters the bad place Ooh, the bad he said you know a haunted house story is the prototypical bad place story right. and it's horror mm-hmm. but any book that you write that has that feeling about something bad's going to happen and this is the kind of place where it could happen and he's so good he at is that. that yes he is and so um so when i was writing the first book first page of my first published book artifacts i knew that the plot was maybe a little bit implausible and so i wanted to spend the prologue of that book picking you up and putting you down in a place where you could believe that these things could happen so i spent, and it worked I, oh good thank you it i did. spent it that worked. page crafting an island with a terrible history and you know to make you believe that if you if you put a shovel in the in the ground here you really might turn up something terrible and i was thinking of stephen king and dance macabre when i wrote that page and i wrote that page 20 years after I read Dance Macabre. And so every wow. few years, I'll just get in the mood and I'll pick it up and I'll read That's it again. high praise. It, it, and so I teach from it now. And so when I went to, uh, was hired at OU, they said, here's this class we'd like you to teach. It's a required class. It's called Theories of Professional Writing. And I'm going, what is that? <laughs> and I, nobody ever answered that. So I took that as carte blanche. So that means I can pick what, whatever I, I want as my um, course material? Pretty much. Is that like technical writing? No, at OU, professional writing is actually creative writing, but it's creative writing for a a popular audience, which is very unusual. It's one of the only programs in the country, and I would like your podcast people to know about it because I feel like it's sort of a hidden gem. But they've been since since the 1930s. I had no idea that they offered that. I didn't either. I go there. in Oklahoma. Is that they they have had this? Makes me want to go back to school. This program, where we and we have undergrad and graduate work, and people come in and they write horror, they write science fiction, they write fantasy, they write mystery, and we teach that. And everybody on the faculty is a multi-published author, you know, award-winning, all the good stuff, and uh, that that takes what we do very seriously. And so I love Don's Macabre because King clearly takes what he does very seriously. He thinks about what it means to people, and that's how he can push our buttons so well. And so I teach that class from this book, even though I don't write horror and many of my students don't write horror, they still, everybody needs suspense in their book because that's what makes you turn the page. If I think you're, fear if you're reading, is a lot, fear is 
is something that each one of us feels. It has nothing to do with horror. Right. Yeah. And Theater I, is is yeah. a is at the depth of your soul. Yeah. Fear is anxiety. It's, it's uncertainty. Yeah. It's, it's all sorts of things, and we all have that. And if you can make somebody feel that, even at the tiniest level. Mm-hmm. And I have another, and I can't credit this because I can't remember who said it, but somebody was trying to define what a thriller is, which is one step off of from horror. It's not, not necessarily horror, but it, it involves that fear. And the, the definition of a, uh, a, a thriller is something terrible is about to happen. Let's read. <laughs> so, it's, so it's that feeling that you just keep turning the pages because you know that's something how I got terrible through the dinner. <laughs> Come on, that's why I put the dinner down. So I was like, oh please, no. But a thriller, I get that. I get that whole. So, but whatever yeah. you're you're writing or reading, depending on where you sit on either what side of what we do. Um, you want that feeling that makes you turn the next page. And right. I call it suspense is maybe the best word it is for a good, it. That is a good word and for so it. And so in a romance, the suspense is going to be hard. Will they get are together? They do it? Is he, or even on the first page, is, <laughs> that would be is, where you went, Martha. Is he going to ask her out? Is she going to say yes? You know, what was going to happen? You know, is, is the course of true love going to run smooth? All of that are the things that keep pages going. And so I teach out of Dance Macabre because I can pull these archetypes out and we can talk mm-hmm. about okay this is the bad place and in horror it's a haunted house but what it is in your book you know here's right. the ghost and the uh, bad place might be an abusive relationship yeah yeah and mm-hmm. so and when and the archetype of the ghost might be your memory of a bad relationship it might not be an actual ghost hmm. but it can figure in your writing in that way wow and look s- at us getting deep in here <laughs> <laughs> and so but it's it's a fun book to read if you already are into these genres because he'll take um, movies or books that you know and use them as examples and so mm-hmm. there's a really great um, uh, blow by blow of rosemary's baby Oh, Vani would love that. She, she just would. finished reading Rosemary's Baby not too yeah. long ago. And so he talks about that in the film and, you know, what works and what doesn't work. And so all through the book, there are examples of things that we all love. And in the back, he has a reading list, which is <gasps> awesome, and a, and a viewing list of films. Um, oh. So it's for, for book and movie people, it's a pretty good resource. And his personality comes off the page, too. And I love him so much. I wish he was my neighbor. Yeah. (laughs) Howdy, neighbor. (laughs) Or my (laughs) father-in-law. Or, you know, somebody related to me in some way that I could just, I don't know, pop in. Maybe and yeah. have coffee mm-hmm. and visit like, about so, so What are you thinking, Steve? Yeah. I had the mental image of like the next door neighbor from Home Improvement, where you just see his eyes the whole time. Like, <laughs> hey, Steve, what's going on, buddy? <laughs> well, the Pops answer would the usually ends. be, I was writing, because he does that every day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw a clip on Facebook of an interview done of him by George R.R. R. Martin. I, heard, okay. I saw clips of that. I haven't yeah. seen the whole thing yet. I didn't see the whole thing either, but mm-hmm. it was basically George R. R. Martin trying to ask him how he could write so many novels. He kind of addressed that in 1978 in this book, because he was talking about people t- call him a hat because he writes a book a year, and he said, no, I write every day, except for Christmas and my birthday. No, that's a lie. I write then, too. 
So he writes every day and he's prolific and but you know he doesn't think that makes his work any less, you no. know. And I don't either, but and then he says on the flip side there are people that take 7 8 years to write a book. He said everybody can't be as fast as me. They might take 2 years, they might take 3, you know, whatever. But you know what if it takes you 7 years to write a book, you're just dicking around. I love that. <laughs> I have been just dicking around, Stephen. I'm sorry. I'll be better. <laughs> I'll be better. <laughs> Punish me. Oh, just kidding. So just she kidding. said the F bomb, so I figured I could get the dickin', dickin around quote. <laughs> yeah, no, you're fine. We've said worse things. Yeah, oh, yeah, we said way worse things than that. <laughs> Garrett was here, and someone mentioned a battery operated boyfriend, and he turned red from like the neck up. You remember oh, that? Poor Garrett. He really got that poor boy. I, I swear. <laughs> He had a full body rash by the time he left this place. <laughs> he was over there in the corner and it was just bright red in the corner yes. over there. Yes. So that's why it's all ladies today? Yeah, well. Yeah. yeah. Our bearded book girl had to take the night off. He doesn't do Friday nights. Oh. He, he gets to work on Friday nights, so. Mm. He doesn't get to hang out with us on Friday nights. I'll leave him a bookmark. But I think, um, I think that, that, book girls in general would definitely enjoy this oh yeah mm-hmm. and the main reason why is we like to analyze our favorite novels mm-hmm. we love to know how they're put together to deconstruct them sometimes right. why does it work exactly yeah sometimes it's annoying to our friends and relatives because especially people who are very prolific readers we get annoyed very easily by things that are trite or ordinary mm-hmm. when it comes to books. Yeah. Things that, like amnesia <laughs> as a plot thing, yeah. device. Yeah. One in the basement with a faulty flashlight. Exactly. Things it, that are too your ordinary. You just get tired of it. You, you see it coming a mile away and you go, oh, okay, that's going to happen and this is going to happen and she's going to do that and he's going to do that. I do that at the television all the time. And, and my that's husband what was just, good about the goldfinch is you I didn't, didn't you know. figure it out. <laughs> no clue. And like every like time you kind of thought that there was hope, you're like, yeah. Oh, that was a okay. bad choice for you. <laughs> Dude, that was a terrible choice. Dude. And there was nothing typical about the entire story. No, not like, any of the characters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was new. It was a really new, but like... And it didn't have a big old bow on it at the end yeah. either. Nope. And it, that was oddly satisfying to somebody who is such a reader, like mm-hmm. we are. Mm-hmm. And you can't really do that, I guess, in, in regular movies and television because it pisses people off if you don't give them an ending. I yeah. think that's why I like like fantasy books is because it'll pick you up and drop you in a world where anything can happen based on what this new the laws of this new world is. Right. They're, as long as they don't <laughs> cheat, as long as they establish their rules and don't mm-hmm. cheat, exactly. Cheat, people get upset. <laughs> yes, yeah. And Lonnie's like that. She's like a note taker. She sit there and she'll be like, "Okay, they said they were going to do this, and this is this rule, and this is ah ah ah. You d- no, that doesn't work here. You can't do that." <laughs> She's very particular. And if you go outside the rules of your physics or whatever you've mm-hmm. established, she doesn't shuts it off. She's yeah. like, no, because no. I believe <laughs> she even, doesn't read a lot of fantasy. If you're or not the fiction. kind of person that notices, I think subconsciously you know. That yeah, I think you know. They're cheating. it's like watching yeah. a robot talk. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know it's not real. Mm-hmm. You can see that the facial expressions are off. Mm-hmm. Or like watching, like watching 
the video game animated characters. Yeah. You know, it, you get unsettled because you're watching their face mm-hmm. and their eyes aren't right. Mm-hmm. And you get this weird feeling like something <laughs> just isn't. Yeah. It, that's the feeling I get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's artificial. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, totally lost my train of thought. What were you talking about? Dance macabre. Dance macabre. Oh, I, yes. yes. I suppose we should probably give that a good. Um, what would you say? I've now, we know it around that, for we know that you, years. I have to give it a five. <laughs> I was going to say, we know that you love it because it's still on your bookshelf and you're still using it to teach. Wait, I have a good question. Okay. okay. How many different copies of it do you have? Right now, I have three. <laughs> I still have the one I picked up in 19-whatever, the mm-hmm. paperback. It's kind of falling apart, and I'm terrified of losing it. And so, there's, and also, I know that this book is probably his least-selling book, but it does sell because they keep uh, putting out new editions, and he writes another forward to sort of update it. And so I knew I needed... My students were not going to be able to get the radio copy I had, so I chose the new edition and got myself one so we'd be reading out of the same book and then one of my students didn't realize I also had a new book and he bought me one (gasps) I thought was so sweet he says and the next question is do you own a first edition of it I do not I don't own a first edition of it either and I own a first edition of seven of his first novels nice and I do not have that one I'm gonna google how much this is gonna cost I got my first first edition. I yeah, heard that you did. Us. Yeah, Garrett gave me my Christmas present a month early, and like it's like my birthday's in November. He gave me my birthday present in October, so like, <laughs> he just can't wait. He's too excited to hold on to it. He gives yeah. it to me, but he got me a signed first edition copy of Anna Dressed in Blood because I loved it so much, Aww. and it was so cool. A book yeah. girl's best present yeah. is a first edition. My very first yeah. one. Yeah, you should. This should t-shirts. She had T-shirts that say that. <laughs> I the girl's best present is a first edition. Yeah. My first. We, uh, we should do that. That's a really good suggestion. I think maybe the first T-shirt we'll have, we have made should should say something like that. Three book girls. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. First edition, three book girl. My, yeah. <laughs> my first first edition was not actually a first edition. It was the one they mailed to the media. So Those it's are. technically the a Jurassic pre. Jurassic Park one. Yeah. It was Jurassic Park, which Whoa. Gideon Hamilton gave to me for Christmas. Whoa. Whoa. That's like a negative one first edition. I know. Yeah. An advanced reader's and copy it's like, is a true treasure. He, it's in, like wrapped in, in everything, and I've never opened it because I'm too terrified. But it, he just put <laughs> no, a sticky note on it that says to Nicole. So I'm just like, it's going on my bookshelf. <laughs> like, I don't even know what to do with this. I if feel you like. You can get a hold of an advanced reader's <clears throat> copy of an author's first novel after, well, not after they become famous, but of somebody who has become a big author. Mm-hmm. Their first novel or a novel that has become particularly famous, it's like, then that sucker is going to be worth... Like, if you got a first edition copy of of the Sorcerer's... Uh, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, of An advanced <laughs> reader's copy of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know somebody that was going to a mystery convention where Sue Grafton was going to be. And her friend said, I have A is for Alibi, first edition, hardcover. Would you get her to sign it? And she goes, oh, my God. And so she put it in a Ziploc bag and gave it to Robin. Robin put it in her bag. And Robin has 
tells stories on herself is, is being a little klutzy, and she's terrified the whole time. And before she gets to Sue Grafton, her water bottle has leaked in her tote bag. But I'm holding my breath. It was in a Ziploc bag. But the Ziploc bag held. Praise and the she Lord. gets up and she she hands it to Sue Grafton to sign, who's a very lovely and gracious lady. Everybody that's ever met her says so. But anyway, she looks at it and she says, Oh my God, this is a. Fr- Do you know how much this is worth? And Robin goes, No. Oh my <laughs> Just sign it. Let me put it back in the bag. Oh my <laughs> you know, she's sitting there like, Praise the book gods for Ziploc oh, bags. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh. People don't realize how much books are worth. No. Mm-hmm. Especially mm-hmm. modern fiction. Mm-hmm. You can go to a used bookstore mm-hmm. and you look at, I mean, sometimes half price books, they'll have first edition copies just sitting right on the shelf. Mm-hmm. And people don't realize what they're worth. I mean, obviously, you're not going to find a first edition copy of Carrie sitting on the half price books I would shelf, not. but you might find one in a, you know, in an estate sale somewhere that mm-hmm. somebody, somebody's grandfather had on their bookshelf that they have no idea what it's worth i mean if you if you know what's happened yeah i don't have a first edition but i have like a like pretty soon after it came out of through the looking glass oh really it was uh because they started doing like reading groups and they would mail out people who joined a reading group and my grandma was part of it and it was like three years after it came out and it's even got like colored pictures in it but it's like Three years after the book was published, wow. which is now That's over exciting. sixty, like yeah. years ago, so better like, keep that nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah. I'm kind of hoping that I can find a first edition copy of your first novel, Mariana. <laughs> <laughs> I might have a few from my bookshelf. <laughs> get that puppy signed. I think I know where one is. It's just like, hmm, maybe I can help with that. Since I'm such a big fan. I need to read this. make that happen. So, one more time, Stephen King's Dance... Dance Macabre. Dance Macabre. And it's uh, in many editions out there. It's available in all the usual places and it gets a five star from me five stars okay so now let's move right along and um actually i'm going to review one of your books that i just chose just the one i'm just kind of going through them um because basically i had read the first second and third ones i think and then i was just going through and looked at this one because it was available because a lot of times, if I'm looking at the library, I want Somebody something that's available it. right now. Right. But mm-hmm. I was very pleased because this is the one that I had wanted to read before, Rituals. Oh. Because, and it fits kind of in with what Nicole was talking about, mm-hmm. because it is kind of what I like to refer it to as a wackadoo theme, <laughs> wackadoo. which means it's um, spiritualists. Fortune tellers. um, Yeah, there's a crystal ball on the cover of that one. Yes, there's a crystal ball on the cover. And it's funny because um, Bonnie was asked, we we volunteer together at the library on Wednesday night. She's not here tonight because this is her first podcast that she's had to miss because she had a work function tonight. But she asked me which book of yours I was going to be reviewing. And I told her that I was going to be reviewing one about 
it was about a town in New York that was about a town of psychics. And Vonnie went, oh, I know where that is. <laughs> and I said, but she said at the end, it's not a real town. It's modeled on a real time, but it's it, not a real time. Yeah, yeah. Because I wanted to my own control. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I told her that. So, so I was like, because she's from that area. Is she? She oh, is. Oh, I was just up there this summer. And so summer. she knew yeah. the area you mm-hmm. were talking about. So I thought yeah. that was particularly That is cool. Good. So Faye Longchamp Mantooth mm-hmm. is the main character. Our hero, Faye, <laughs> is an archaeologist. And I particularly love her because she likes digging things up, as do I. Mm -hmm. And she is on the case in a little town in New York um, at a museum. And she is going to do some work for um, a guy there, Samuel, who has asked her to look at some artifacts that he has for um, examination. He thinks that they're very special items he thinks that they're um alien artifacts and all kinds of really special things that he has in his possession she kind of knows better (laughs) (laughs) so she's trying really hard not to um get fired from the job right um and she has brought her adopted daughter along with her to do a little summer work i think it's in the summer isn't Mm -hmm. it yeah it's in the summer So they're going through and they're reading through some old letters that they have in the museum and doing some curation in the museum area. But while they're there, of course, there are things going on in the town as well. And it's really interesting because this town is filled with spiritualists, people who, for a living, read cards and tea leaves and tell fortunes and... It's, it's actually regulated in the town by the town council. So then the, the people on the town council who don't give licenses to certain people, there are people who will go just outside the city limits. I, I can't remember exactly how it went. I'm sure you can tell me, obviously, because you wrote it. <laughs> but uh, they said, um, is it the relative of one of the... It's the daughter. Daughter. The daughter of the victim. Okay. So she's got a place just outside of town so that she can do her little uh, spiritualist show just outside the city limits. But the thing that Faye gets involved in is a fire where Tilda, who is the, what, what would they call her, a medium? Yes. She is doing, she is the one with the crystal ball she gets nailed inside this house in inside this little room in her house with no way to get out the house gets set on fire and yet somehow she gets out but yet she still dies from smoke inhalation so they a they can't figure out how the hell she got out of that room because it's a locked room and B, they don't know. Most people just think the house caught on fire. They don't really realize that it's something sketchy has happened. But of course, Faye, our hero, <laughs> is on the case and she's kind of started to figure out that something is just not right. And there are all sorts of nasty little secrets going on in town. And I love that kind of stuff. It's just so fun. 
Um, there's also a magician that's in town that's trying to debunk some of these other psychics, especially the ones that live right outside of town. She's writing an expose, this magician is. So she's like trying to take notes on these people and she's going to write a book about it. Well, of course, they figure out what she's doing and they don't like that either. Um, there's all sorts of things going on and I can't explain all of it, obviously, I'm just highly entertained by all of it. I just think it's so much fun. Faye is, she brings in her husband as an expert for this dude, this jerk from the museum, who's trying to get her to authenticate these items in the museum. So she says, okay, I'm going to bring in an expert for you because he basically won't take her word for it, even though she's got a doctorate. Mm Mm-hmm. So she flies her husband in as an expert. Her husband is a Native American. So she flies him in and it just galls me because I know this feeling where the man automatically defers to another man who walks in the door. Mm -hmm. The man gives him the same information and he accepts it from the man. Right. But she still gets paid because it's her husband. So. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, yes, Faye, you go, girl. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty awesome. So she figured out a way to stick it to the man. <laughs> <laughs> Especially since the man has kind of a racist streak. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, definitely. Yes, he's on and on about. Oh. <laughs> yeah, and here comes her husband, who's a strapping Native American man. Mm-hmm. He doesn't expect that at all. <laughs> and I found it very compelling to the very end for a bunch of different reasons, um, some of which have to do with your incorporation of the herbal component mm-hmm. that you brought in. Um, I was fascinated by, well, I knew this anyway, about licorice. Right, yeah. And that actually yes. made the news this it week. It did. And I, I'm like, Because oh. I'd known that for years and saved it for the right book. Yeah, and you, tar- you were talking about this in 2013, and this was in the news like a year ago. Not even a year ago that was in, about black licorice. Right. It wasn't even a year ago. It was like two months ago that I, that came out. You guys uh-huh. want to like tell us what you're talking oh, about? Sorry, sorry. Okay, so black licorice, it causes um, heart problems. Oh, if you eat too much of it? Well, yeah. even in certain people, because they use licorice root for medicinal purposes. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one of those roots that they use that in that way. It's also just really disgusting, by the way. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I yeah. agree. Which I was really glad to use it as the murder weapon. Yeah, but, almost. You, know. I, you, you have no idea how close I came to stopping at the Walgreens for you. <laughs> On the way over here and buying some licorice to bring to this podcast. <laughs> okay, I yeah, have at to the ask. the time I wrote it, you could not buy black licorice, With the licorice, real thing, yeah. in the States. I think that's still true. You can buy faux licorice. I think you can buy the Australian. If Maybe. I'm the not, imported yeah. Australian. But you can't. It does they have can't make root. it here. And it's right. because in certain people... It, it does can cause, cause it. heart failure. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Um, yeah. But I because, do have to ask, mm-hmm. why Mantooth? See, you weren't here when she was here the last time. Remember? I have to ask why Mantooth. Don't tell her why yet. I already told her last oh, time. I don't know if you'll remember. Damn it. I <laughs> okay. I, I When I named Joe back in 2002, I, I knew he, he's mostly Creek. He has a little, uh, a little bit of uh, European in him. And uh, I wanted all of my characters, I come up with a name that just means something to me from maybe on more than one level. So mm-hmm. um, 
so Joe, I, I, I had a friend in high school whose name was Mantooth, and I loved Randolph Mantooth in Emergency in the 1970s. He was so <laughs> fat. Instead, fat Randolph, he, he with long hair, he might could be Joe, but you know, but that's those those days are gone. <laughs> And uh, and so, but those two things. And so the same thing. Faye's first name. I knew that she, you know, she is uh, has deep roots in both the African American community and the in the European community. And I knew women growing up in the South from both communities who had the name Faye. Uh, so that meant something to me. And also, it's a very it's a soft and feminine but strong sound to me. So the mm-hmm. sound and the personal history is how the names come. My boyfriend's last na- name is Mantooth. Oh, cool. So is I just thought it was... He, around here? Uh, from Oklahoma and then obviously Native American. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. So that's cool. Maybe he's related to my was, high school friend. Yeah. Travis, <laughs> What's his name? Travis Mantooth. Her name was uh, Sarah. Sarah Mantooth. I don't know. Did she have a brother named Rick Mantooth? She had a brother, but I don't remember his name. I don't need know. to figure this out yeah. and find out if Travis is related. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't that be awesome? Be interesting, yeah. yeah. Sarah is still in Mississippi. I don't know. Oh, okay, never mind. But, okay. Wrong area. His parents are from, or his dad's from here, too. Well, I mean, they didn't, they weren't born there. Oh, okay. So we'll have to track it down. <laughs> Facebook will tell us. Facebook knows everything. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Now we have to discuss your upcoming novel. Oh, yes. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I, I got to finish up first. I downloaded Artifacts from the library just now. <laughs> <laughs> Artifacts was awesome. I think I reviewed Artifacts last time. I think time. you did. Yeah. yeah. I just want to read Artifacts it. was, the, was did, the, the start of all of this. That's right. Did, mm-hmm. Has anybody reviewed the Oklahoma book yet? That was the Artifacts, wasn't it? No, Artifacts was in Florida. So maybe you read Rituals. Uh, I read Rituals. You read, no, bur- read Burials. You read Rituals burials. this time. Oh, burials. Gosh, you're confusing me. Artifacts is the... Uh, artifacts was the first the one. first book. But I read Burials first. And yeah. that's the Oklahoma one. That was the connection. That was the reason I contacted you. That's right. Because I realized, oh my gosh. She's here. Maybe, maybe she's right here. And then when I looked you up on Facebook, you were here. I am. <laughs> um, but Artifacts was excellent. I just downloaded it from um, the library. Rituals is the name of this one, however, the one with all of the fun crystal ball connection. I really enjoyed it. I, I've you. always loved the whole spiritualist. It just gives me a little tickle. I'm not a believer in that sort of thing mm-hmm. at all. I really just love it, though. Wasn't it like Spoonbenders? That was a book you read? Uh, Spoonbenders was excellent, by the way. If you're looking for a good <laughs> okay. read, it was really, really excellent. Spoonbenders. It's right up your alley. It was, yes. I may have made a spoonbending reference in Rituals, perhaps. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. I dragged in a lot of the things. Floating tables. I think there might have trumpets. been a, a little bit of something in there. But yeah. Um, but there, I definitely felt at home in that. Because I really mm-hmm. love that kind of stuff anyway. I just... It just felt like home to me, and I love the whole mystery thing. And Faye just, she gets me. What can I say? <laughs> so Rituals, I highly recommend it, as usual. And, of course, I'm going to give it a five. Duh. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> five times. Thank and you. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't give it a five if I didn't really think it deserved it. But I'm really, really looking forward to the new one. I'm glad because I and want people to be waiting for it. And this is going to be called, drumroll please, Undercurrents. <laughs> the deeper you go, the colder the river water grows. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> she brought us bookmarks. 
We'll take it. We'll take a photo of the bookmark and put it on our um, page. Is oh, that okay? Thank you. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, we'll do that. It's, Facebook and fact, Twitter. It's already available for pre-order. Is it? It is. Ooh. It's so early. The cover's not even on Amazon yet. But they and all the other wonderful places where you can pre-order books can. Well, I guess we'll just be on that list now, won't we, ladies? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Excellent. And we'll be before among... I forget. I should probably say that Full Circle Books is the local place oh, yes. that has my books. Full they, Circle. Full Circle, Circle Books yes. is right down the street from here, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, right across from right Penn Square. Fifty Pin Place. Yep. Is the address great little store, by the way? Yeah, I've never been in there. Their food's really good too. If if their Mm -hmm. cafe's open, Mm -hmm. sometimes it's not. The last time I was in there, it wasn't. But I always go at weird times of the day. So yeah, it's open for like lunch specifically, and then like Mm -hmm. dinner specifically. It's good though. Really good cup of coffee while I was there. Oh yeah, we need to make a a three book girls excursion to there. You could do a live podcast from Full Circle. Would that be fun or what? <laughs> then we'd have to take equipment and everything. That's probably you could do not like a Marantz. It'd be super Just easy. Just do it on our phones. You'd have to do what? Take a Marantz. It'd be super easy. Well, you can do the technical stuff. I'm not good at technical things. <laughs> she actually. makes a suggestion that we do it. And I know how to do it or like what to do. I just don't know how to do it. Okay. If that makes sense. <laughs> well, maybe somebody in our circle can set it up for Josh us. Josh Lipton. The bearded book girl will set it up the for us because he I'll leave him a bookmark just just for that. He will love it because he is our beard. Our bearded book girl is an old school book girl. He he likes to read Classics. physical books. Yep. Then he needs to be in a physical bookstore. Vani and I are audio listeners mm-hmm. for a good deal of. I mean, I like a physical book and occasional, ever so occasionally. I will read a Kindle, but very occasionally. Mm-hmm. I can't read a Kindle. It makes my eyes Josh break. will not do anything but a physical book. He is just too old school. And he doesn't even like a hardcover. He's a paperback boy. Yeah. That's how I used to be until I discovered the anti-Facebook app, which is called Kindle. <laughs> <laughs> the anti-Facebook app? Yeah, because instead of getting on Facebook, I go read a book. It's oh. very time... The time suck that is yeah. Facebook? Yeah. Oh, I know. I know. Mm. Cat That's videos. how I was too. I used to be. I didn't. I always read like books until I started this, and then you got me hooked on audiobooks. Now it's about half and half. I have like two audiobooks going, and I'm reading a hardcover. Well, book. I do. I do both. Yeah. Like when I'm not at home, then I'll read audiobooks mm-hmm. because I can do that while I'm doing, doing other things. things. And presuming that my audience is somewhat similar to the rest of the country, people are doing all three. I yeah. Get people, are re- you know, when I get my royalty statements i see all three yeah i really enjoy the audio and i think the girl that reads your books is very good i do too yeah she's very Mm -hmm. good all right give us if you would be willing to give us a little bit of a window into what undercurrents is going to be about uh faye is in memphis um working in memphis at a site modeled on a real site there's a um, state park within the city limits of memphis in a uh, not far from some some neighborhoods w- um, that are struggling financially, um, but in the, it, there's a museum in there. There's a creek that comes through. There's campgrounds. There's all the all the cool stuff. And so, as I tend to do, I m- modeled my state park against theirs, because, so that I don't send murder and mayhem into the real oh. state park and into the real neighborhoods. <laughs> but Faye is in this in a state park um, doing uh, preliminary archaeology. 
before they built a campground because there had been, I don't know if you know, the Civilian Conservation Corps that built a lot of our state parks. Well, that's been long enough ago that that's history. So in the 1930s, an all-African-American group, and there were some, uh, came into this park and had uh, built the park. And um, they can't just wipe out that history to build a new campground. They need an archaeologist to come in and, and you know, un- uncover what's left. So oh. she's in this. So it's personally of great interest to her because these are people that, that nothing has survived. We don't know much about them. And so she's coming in to, to dig, it, dig up the past. And also, coincidentally, the creek that comes through there in the real Memphis, um, the creek that cuts through town, they found mammoth bones Whoa. and, you know, paleo points <gasps> and really cool stuff. So Faye's like, I'm going to find a mammoth. <laughs> I'm going to do my job, but in in my spare time, I'm going to find a mammoth. <laughs> so what do they call that? Pot hunting on the side? No, no, it's, it's legit. It's legit. She's, she's got permission. But anyway, so uh, she's there oh, just kind of looking around to say, if I were a mammoth, where would I be? Oh, wow. Uh, on the That's creek. So cool. <laughs> and she sees a little girl that's been hiding up in the woods, you know, doing a little what little girls do, like a little playhouse kind of thing. And then the little girl just takes off walking down the creek doesn't come back for a couple hours and she's going well she doesn't even look 10 if it were my kids she wouldn't be left out, let out of the backyard alone what's going on she doesn't think she looks homeless you know she so the next day the same thing happens and so she's got somebody with her that day she can't just drop any everything but the third time it happens she follows her and they go down the creek for quite a long time and the little girl is going to a summer program where they, they serve free lunch. Because, oh. you know, if you get free lunch at the school in the wintertime, you're still hungry in the summertime. So they have a program at a, um, at a playground, and she's going down there to get lunch. And um, the people know her. They give her an extra juice box. Everything's cool. And so, um, but on the way there, the little girl figures out that she's back there, and she kind of ambushes Faye, and Faye winds up butt first in the creek. And, <laughs> And they bond because, because Faye's a sucker for a tough little girl. Of course she is. <laughs> you know, and so they spend the morning going down and getting the food and coming back and talking. And then the little girl fades into the woods and Faye peeks in her little playhouse and sees that it's just a little bit of food and a little reading material. It's just where the girl hangs out during the day. And she seems to be okay, you know. And so that question, mystery solved, question answered. And so she's come back early the next day and her crew's arriving and they're going to do the real job instead of looking for mammoths. And she gets there really early, and she sees that the ground has been disturbed, and it's something's not right. And then she hears a noise, and she realizes that somebody's buried there, and they're not dead. <gasps> so right there where the little girl had been the day before. And so she uncovers a woman, a young woman, uh, dressed for a date, uh, and grievously injured, and calls, the, the, um, calls an ambulance, and uh, calls the cops come. And um, so then she becomes involved in what, you know, she's the key witness. And they learn pretty soon that it was the little girl's mother. Oh, whoa. And so, and there's no father in the picture. So she's she's trying to help the police. The police ask her to be the go-between because the cop is white and the neighborhood is very suspicious of the, co- oh. the police because of everything that's been in the news. And he wants to help. They don't want to talk to him. He's thinking maybe Faye can get him to talk. But she's, you know, she considers herself African-American, but she's she's not lived the life they have. And they see her as an outsider, too. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of 
of interpersonal conflict. And um, so, uh, and pretty soon she decides that it's a serial killer. Whoa. And the cop's not so sure. And that's what, that's the rest of the book is trying to figure out. we have to wait till April? Yes. What if we know the author? Yeah, uh, the arts are coming. <laughs> that could be bribed. <laughs> so, what kind of booze do you like? Mm-hmm. I got some chocolate in my purse. <laughs> oh, now we're talking. Someone get get on and find a first edition of Dance Macabre. <laughs> oh yeah, I did eight books. Eight bucks. An Abe books. Oh, Abe. How much? One was like thirty dollars, but I don't know if it's real, like, oh. legit. Yeah. Hmm. It might be. Some of them are like one hundred and twenty dollars. Because it's not his most popular book, you know. So it might be mm. legit. We're gonna have to look into that. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta look into that. There could be some bribery going on here. <laughs> All right, kids. I, I suppose we really should wrap this up because mm. we got to get on to our our next adventure. I'm sure mm. you have to get back to your. Do you have to grade papers tonight or something? Not tonight, but pretty soon. Oh. <laughs> Boy, I'm so They're glad. They're waiting for me. I'm so glad I don't have your job. <laughs> oh, I love my job. Oh, it's a good job. That would be hard. I'd rather write a paper. I had to take a, a two-hour trig test last night at at OU. See, now <laughs> my brain's fried. Oh, you should come we take a, my class. We have I a student. Your class. <laughs> and we have a teacher. You're a student, too, aren't you, mm-hmm. Nicole? So t- two students, a teacher, and a... I wish they could see a my, professional? my sad face over here. A professional. <laughs> a professional. <laughs> or you could come take my class. I would take your class. <laughs> I would so take your class. <laughs> I could be a student again. I like that. All right. Well, Mariana, thank you. I'm so glad to be thank here. Thank you for joining us. You, I think you need to just be a regular book girl. I could be a, a frequent guest. A frequent guest. A frequent <laughs> regular guest. That's what we'll we'll try to get whatever we can out of you. <laughs> a frequent well, regular. A freak, 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 I can't say that anyway, so there you go. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us. Very happy to we be here. We appreciate you, you coming me. on the show, and uh, we'll, we'll have you back again, obviously, when your book comes out. Oh, yeah. And after we've read it, obviously. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I guess that's going to do it for... Three Three book book girls. girls.